Well, howdy, neighbors. Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Park of Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org. I'm Rex Coulter, Coulter Cattle Company, Tyler, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Thanks so much for taking time to join us for another episode of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, Texas leads the nation in cotton harvest, but the condition of the cotton that's left in the field is declining. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. There's been a big change in Texas High Plains weather this week and it's a positive development for area wheat growers. I'm James Hunt, and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. Sustainably grown soybeans for animal feed ingredients. I'm Tom Nicolotti, and I'll have more on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Texas leads the nation in cotton harvest, with South Texas and the Coastal Bend already done. USDA's Brad Rippey looks at both the nationwide and the Texas harvest numbers. The cotton harvest progress as of September 10th, 8% nationally, five-year average 7%, last year at this time 8%. It's still early in the cotton harvest season. We only have two states into double digits. That, of course, is Texas, where you have the early harvest in the deep south and the coastal bend. 19% harvested there, five-year average is 14%. Then Arizona It's been a hot summer there, too. 11% harvested, five-year average is 5%. But as harvest moves forward, the condition of the cotton that's left in the field is getting worse. It's really two states pulling down those national numbers. We've been talking about this for weeks. Texas, of course, the big dominant force in dragging down national cotton conditions. 61% of the Texas cotton rated very poor to poor. 72% of Oklahoma's crop very poor to poor on September 10th. Texas corn harvest now stands at 62% done, and the corn is in the same situation as cotton. The best corn in Texas already been harvested, but what's left is rated 49% good to excellent, 27% fair, and 24% poor to very poor. Texas sorghum harvest now 71% complete. A Texas company is being recognized by the American Farm Bureau Federation. 
Smooth Ag, creators of the Ranch Rover, the first-ever autonomous feed rover for pastured cattle, is a semifinalist in Farm Bureau's annual Ag Innovation Challenge. The challenge spotlights startup businesses focused on advancing agricultural innovation. The 10 semifinalists will receive $10,000 each, and they'll all compete for a chance to win $50,000 at AFBF's annual convention in January. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmel. The corn market got a big surprise in Tuesday's USDA Crop Production and Supply and Demand Report. The Ag Department increased both planted and harvestable corn acreage by 800,000 acres. Now, they did decrease the estimated yield per acre, but that big jump in acreage brings the total estimated crop to 15.13 billion bushels. That's just a tick under the all-time record corn crop of 15.14 billion produced back in 2014. If this estimate holds, it will be the second largest corn crop in U.S. history and only the second time we've produced over 15 billion bushels. There has been a big change in Texas High Plains weather this week. James Hunt tells us it's a positive change for wheat growers. The rains we're getting around the Texas High Plains this week are definitely welcome, even though, as we discussed yesterday, this moisture is probably coming too late to increase yields for our summer crops. But there is a new season that is just now getting underway around the region, the winter wheat season, and Texas A&M AgriLife agronomist Jordan Bell says for those who grow wheat, rain right now is especially timely. As we consider the very dry summer that we've had, we need to make sure that we have moisture to get that wheat crop up and established. The past several years, we have had many producers who've just dusted in wheat and in some areas it worked out, but in other areas it just was was devastating. As for the outlook for winter wheat, Dr. Bell does expect to see an increase in acres in our region this season, but what that wheat is being grown for is kind of unpredictable. That's always the big story. Are we talking about an, an increase in grain acres? Are we talking about an increase in forage acres? And based off of current markets, we know that the grain market is not as strong as we might like. So I think producers right now are planting with the option of going for grain or for forage, depending on markets. And that's what's great about wheat. Wheat really gives producers some flexibility and they can watch these markets and gauge where they might want to go if they have not already contracted their wheat with a dairy or a feed yard. And you can make a decision like that to grain or forage even in mid-season? Many producers do, yes. Dr. Bell says some wheat has already been planted in our area to provide grazing for cattle. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The soybean industry is working to grow sustainable soybeans for animal feed ingredients. Tom Nicoletti has the story. My guest today is Lori Isley. She is with the United Soybean Board, a member of the executive committee, and she is a farmer in Michigan. Lori, uh, certainly uh, U.S. soybean farmers do grow a sustainably sourced and nutrient-dense feed ingredient. Their number one customer is animal agriculture. Talk about that and how that impacts Texas producers. Certainly we're pretty proud of the fact that 97% of the soybean meal goes into animal agriculture. We feel strongly that 
we have a nutrient-dense, high-quality product that will help producers, not just for things like rate of gain, but also we've some of the newest research we've done have indicated that in hogs, increasing the soybean meal in those rations has also helped them overcome some of the summer heat stress, as well as help with other general health issues. So we're doing more and more research in that area and looking at what it can do for our livestock producers beyond simply being good quality or high quality feed ingredient. Yes, and the soybean feed ingredient is also good in the poultry industry. Yes, poultry and hogs are our top two consumers. We are seeing more um, an increased usage in cattle, particularly in, in dairy cattle. And some of what they do with that is roast them, um, the high lake beans, and, and use those. So we've seen an increase in that area as well. But poultry and hogs are our top two. Drought-resistant soybeans in Texas, that's uh, certainly important in the dry state that farmers live in. I would agree. And even in Michigan, although we're surrounded by water, our farm is not irrigated. And so we often have have kind of a dry spell through a lot of end of July and August. And so even for us, it might be something that we're interested. We can also benefit from that kind of research. For more than 30 years, the National Soy Checkoff Program has provided soybean farmers in Texas and other soybean producing states the benefits of education, promotion, and research. Soybean producers support the checkoff by making individual contributions of one-half percent of the soybean market price per bushel each season. The 77 members of the United Soybean Board work pretty carefully in making the decisions we make about how we invest our money, and we want to make sure that our farmers recognize that for every dollar they invest in the checkoff, they get back $12.34 in return, and that's based on a USDA study from just a year ago. So it's important for them to recognize that that is a benefit back to them. And a lot of the research that's done by the United Soybean Board is designed both to increase on the supply side as well as on the demand side, both of which benefit farmers all the way across the country. But on the supply side, we look at maybe developing some varieties of soybeans that are more drought resistant, that can grow in a shorter period of time, that have a different time at which they're flowering. So there's a lot of research done in that area and research on herbicide resistant weeds. But we also work on developing markets. So it's kind of a two-pronged approach. So we look both at the supply side and the demand side and working with both WISH and with USEC, which is the World Initiative for Soy and Human Health, and USEC is the United Soybean Export Council. By working with those two organizations in partnership, we're able to increase the export markets available for those soybeans that are grown, regardless of what state they come from. That is Lori Isley. She is with the United Soybean Board. I'm Tom Nicoletti at the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is reminding hunters to report any bans they may find on doves. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And horses can get a bellyache just like humans. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Howdy neighbors, Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Department of Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org. 
The 2023 Texas Cattle Feeders Association Annual Convention will be here before we know it. TCFA invites you to this year's convention, October 8th through the 10th, at the Gaylord Texan in Grapevine, Texas. The 2023 convention boasts outstanding educational, informative, and networking opportunities. Find more information by visiting www.tcfa.org. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Horses can get a tummy ache just like we humans do. Dr. Bob Judd says stomach issues can be difficult to diagnose and treat. Loose stool in horses can be caused by a multitude of disorders and diagnosing the problem is not easy. Potential causes are parasites, viral or bacterial infections, food allergy or hypersensitivity, inflammatory bowel disease, or loss of normal microflora in the intestine. Testing is available for infectious agents in the horse intestine, but these are not commonly helpful in many cases. A fecal culture can be performed for salmonella that many times may be negative. Performing a fecal egg program to check for parasites is a good idea, but if the cause is larval parasites, This test will not detect larvae as they are not old enough to produce eggs. Also, some dewormers kill adult parasites but do not kill the larvae, so the fecal egg per gram count would be negative, but there could be large numbers of larval parasites present. Inflammatory bowel disease is another possibility causing loose stool, and this is an immune-mediated condition that requires a biopsy of the intestine to diagnose. All cases are due to dysfunction of the horse's colon by not absorbing enough water. Unfortunately, lots of cases in horses are treated with a trial and error plan after all other tests have ruled out infections and parasites. Prebiotics and probiotics may be helpful. Dr. Janice Holland is a Ph.D. nutritionist, and she indicates in the horse publication that feeds high in non-structural carbohydrates should not be used, and some horses respond to decreasing the amount of long-stem hay and feeding chopped forage or hay stretcher. The short stem hay is usually easier for the horse to digest. Also, some horses will have less intestinal issues eating alfalfa instead of coastal Bermuda hay. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is reminding hunters to report any bands they find on doves. Jessica Domel has more in today's wildlife report. Texas dove hunters may find a little something extra on some of the birds they bag this dove season. Owen Fitzsimmons, webless migratory game bird program leader for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, encourages hunters who find birds with bands on their legs to report them. We have a banding program. Every state in the country that has a morning dove season participates in this national banding program. So uh, we put out about 5,000 bands a year, and each band will be on a bird's leg. It'll be a small silver band. It'll have a band number, and on there it'll have a website, which is www.reportband.gov. So you can just go to that website, input the band number, and you will get a certificate that shows where the bird was banded, when it was banded, who banded it, and you get to keep the band. That provides really critical information for us, not just in Texas, but nationally on uh, abundance and survival and hatch year or what, juvenile versus adult harvest. This is basically the information we use to set regulations each year and make sure that we're sustainably managing the resource for generations to come. Again, that website is reportband.gov. That's reportband.gov. 
Hunters.gov. Hunters who find silver bands with a 1-800 number on it may still report those on reportband.gov. If a hunter finds two bands on a bird, he or she should report both. Hunters who find a Eurasian collar dove with an orange band should call the phone number on the band. The orange bands are part of the Texas Dove Hunters Association's annual Banded Bird Challenge. It is a research project designed to gather more information on the invasive species. Dove season in the north and central zones is open now. The hunting season in the south zone opens Thursday. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. It is time to check the markets. We'll be back with a look at all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Howdy, neighbors. Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Park of Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org. The 2023 Texas Cattle Feeders Association Annual Convention will be here before we know it. TCFA invites you to this year's convention, October 8th through the 10th, at the Gaylord Texan in Grapevine, Texas. The 2023 convention boasts outstanding educational, informative, and networking opportunities. Find more information by visiting www.tcfa.org. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. It was a down day for the cattle market on Wednesday, both live and feeder cattle futures ending in the red. October live cattle dropped a dollar, closing at 183.15. The December down 60, 187.85, with February live cattle down 25, 192.37. Same story on the feeder cattle market. September feeders dropping a dollar 82 at 253.50. October feeders down 220, 259.05, with November feeder cattle down $1.32, 261.57. Cash fed cattle market seeing some very light trade so far this week. Most of that happening in the northern plains. The few cattle that did sell sold in a range of 183 to 186 on a live basis, 290 dressed. Boxed beef prices were mixed on Wednesday. Choice was down 16 cents, 307.87. Select up $1.24, 285.02. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Doug Bass, my guest, Cattleman's of Brenham. Sold them last Friday. Going to sell them again this week, Doug. How'd the sale go? Had a good sale, Mr. Larry. We ended up with 1,333 head of cattle. Uh, market looked dang good. Uh, cows looked about the same. Calves were pretty steady to maybe a little higher. Walk the pins with me, Doug. Yes, sir. On your weighing cows, thinner, lower yielding cows, bring 70 to 85. Better medium flesh cows, 87 to 94. Better high yielding cows, 95 to 118. Lower yielding bulls, 89 to 110. Better high yielding bulls, 112 to 125. Uh, didn't have much for pairs of breads. Had a few little medium bred cows, bring 900 to 1200. The uh, 
Can't mark it up really good again. Two to three weight steers, 240 to 332. Heifers, 230 to 285. Three to four weight steers, 235 to 320. Heifers, 220 to 302. Four to five weight steers, 220 to $3. Heifers, $2 to 258. Five to six weight steers, $2 to 262. Heifers, 190 to 240. Six to seven weight steers, 195 to 248. Heifers, 185 to 227. Seven to eight weight steers, 190 to 230. Heifers, 180 to 216. And your 800 to 1,000 pound steers and bullion bring 170 to 217. Half rats, 155 to 188. Good. Now, what do we got coming this week? Oh, we've got quite a few cattle lined up. Uh, some pretty good loads. Some pretty good, good calves coming. Uh, I know one man sending her. He sent us a double last week. He sent her probably about 90 more good Charlotte cross calves. Weighing in the upper sixes. And another man called me last night with another double load. Probably weighing in the fives. Good blacks and yellows. So it looks like we have a good run on the calf side. I don't know much on the cows. Uh, mostly packer cows at this time. Well, tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Doug Bass. Yes, sir. Call me on my cell, 979-877-4454, or at the office, 979-836-3621. We appreciate you. Thank you so much. Yes, sir. Thank you, Mr. Lee. Y'all have a good one. You too. Bye-bye. Neighbor, that's it for Walking the Pins. Thanks for listening to us on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm Larry Marble. You're doing so right now on Texas Ag Today. Back over to the futures market now. Lean hogs finished lower on Wednesday. October hogs dropped $1.30, $83.97. December hogs down $55 at $76.35. Class 3 milk moved higher. September milk up $0.10, cents, $18.39 a hundred weight, while October milk was up 20 at $18.24 a hundred. Cotton market took a drop despite the fact that the supply and demand report USDA released on Tuesday was bullish for the market. However, we seem to see a buy the rumor, sell the fact kind of thing happening on Wednesday. Traders came in, took profits out of the market, and that pressured prices lower. October cotton dropped 182 points, 85.67. December down 141 at 86.89. March cotton down 115 points at 87.37 cents. Corn and wheat both finishing higher, getting support from the Russia-Ukraine war. Apparently, Ukraine attacked Russian ports and caused damage in Crimea to port infrastructure and two vessels. That had the market thinking that that may have damaged Russia's export capability somewhat. And that helped out our market. December corn up five and three quarters, 482 and a quarter. March corn up five and a quarter, 496 and a quarter. Same thing on the wheat market. That news pushed December Kansas City wheat up 14 cents at 744 and three quarters. December Chicago wheat was up nine and three quarters at 597 and a quarter. In the energy markets, October natural gas was down six cents, 268. October West Texas crude down 24 at 88.60 a barrel. The financial markets were mixed on Wednesday afternoon. The financial markets mixed Wednesday afternoon. The Dow down 119 points at 34,528. The Nasdaq up 18 at 13,791. The S&P down 1 point 4,460. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this episode of Texas Ag Today. My name's Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A., Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. 
For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.